People always want to know what it's like to be me. How does it feel to see a dead body? Tell a family their loved one has been murdered. Talk to a rape victim. Catch a killer. And get them to confess. Hold on tight, my friends. Get ready for the journey. And welcome to Murder with Menina. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Murder with Menina. We are part two with my good friend and co-teacher, Marta Bell. How are you today? I'm doing great, doing wonderful. Great. We're getting ready for the holidays. Are you uh, anywhere near getting your Christmas shopping done? Oh, I don't shop during the whole year. No, I give money and cards. I don't oh. like shopping. Yeah, I understand. What about you, Colleen? Are you Where are you at on all the shopping thing? I have a new goal, which is uh, to be a minimalist. That's a good goal. I'm nowhere near achieving that. I know. I'm no nowhere near achieving that goal, but I am leaning in. And that really crosses over to gift giving because most people I know, thankfully, have everything they need. Right. So right. buy a gift I know, it's so for crazy. what for to what end? For what reason? Right. Unless I fi- I see something that's just perfect, then I'm excited about doing you know, buying a gift. Yeah. But that can happen all year round. That doesn't have to just be for Christmas or a birthday. Right, right. And holidays are so stressful. You know, I think we talked about last episode. Yeah, well, it's time consuming, isn't it? Trying to brain to, oh, what can I get this right. person and this and that. It takes up a lot of time and energy and I, I've decided, well, I've done this probably the last few years with my gift giving most of the time. I try to do experiences. So, you know, my parents are 80 years old and they will not, you know, on their own plan to go on an overnight trip or a day trip. And so those are the gifts that I'm giving most of the time just to get them out of the house and get them to kind of experience and see new things that they wouldn't think of um, on their own. So that's usually what I do. And you do it with them, which makes it so special yeah. too, right? So absolutely, yes, those are the best gifts I, I always do. Absolutely. So anyway, so today again, we have Marta Bell on here with us. Um, to talk a little bit about her own experience with domestic violence, and then also talk to you a little bit about the book she wrote. What do you have for us, Marta? Well, first of all, I did write a book. Uh, Like I said in my previous episode, I spent um, 29 years and six months on uh, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. The last 12 years was in the domestic violence unit. Well, I always felt we should have a domestic violence unit because that's what the most of the officers took runs on. However, when the police department would send me out, I do a lot of speaking engagements on domestic violence. Um, I would always talk about it from my professional point of view, what a detective does, how do I investigate a domestic violence case, how many warrants have I written, how many people have I locked up, how many uh, women have I put in shelters with their families. And, you know, it was like, okay, I almost felt hypocritical because I'm like, you know, you got to be transparent and honest because, you know, people think police don't go through anything. Well, me, myself, I went through domestic violence as a police officer and wow. people was like, what? How? Right. Why did you just shoot them? You carry a gun. And I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> you, you can't just kill people. I mean, there was days where I was plotting like, mm-hmm, I'm going to kill him. But then I was like, you know what? I have this beautiful baby girl. At the time, my daughter was three months old 
And I was like, wow, who's going to raise her? If I kill him, I'm probably going to jail. Maybe not. You know, I, I, I toiled back and forth with that. But at the end, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. So I literally started planning my escape because my abuser, like I talked about, there are different stages of abuse. And I told you when I was, I was in my twenties then. And I told yeah, you, I, give us a, a background of like, even how you met. Okay. Yeah, how you met I was in my twenties then. And like I said, I had a slick tongue. If you cursed me, I'm gonna curse you. If you talked about me, okay. Long you'll put your hands on me. Well, he was in the military. So his abuse was not physical until I had my daughter or his daughter or our daughter, however we want to put it. But all of the signs were there, the warning signs, the extreme jealousy, the put downs, the, um, oh, how long have you been at Target? Why? I'm grown. You know, that was how I responded, you know, like, well, you said you were going to Target in the store. You had to go somewhere else. You've been gone three hours. Okay. And so, you know, this, the warning signs, and this is why I say domestic violence is preventable. If you pay attention to the warning signs, the extreme jealousy, the wanting to control who you're with, didn't like any of my friends, probably because even though he was in the military, probably because of the wrong he was doing. And most of my friends were police officers. And so, like I said, I ignored those signs until one day I'm in the bathroom. I'm curling my hair. I'm Gary, go out. I went, I worked out. I used to love aerobics and I worked out and I'm curling my hair. Gary, go out with some friends. And he's like, you're not going anywhere. I'm like, says who? I mean, I got a babysitter. My sister was babysitting and he was like, because uh, I said it and I'm like, OK, so I'm still curling my hair. Now, this man, I knew this, but I had never experienced it. This man was a boxer in the army and he literally hit, punched me one time <gasps> and I hit the floor. Okay, but was this wow. the time you're getting ready to go out? Yeah. That you were punched? The time I was going to go out. Yes. Okay, but look, before you move on, I want to ask you, how long were you in the relationship with him before you saw your first red flag? Uh, not long. Like I said, the, the verbal, uh, getting smart, uh, it, a few months, six months. Okay, it, okay. Uh, I'm right at, a, I'll say right at a year, right okay. at a year. Cause we were together for four years. Okay. Um, in our third year was when I got pregnant. Like I said, the warning signs were there, the arguing. Okay. So we arguing, but the red flags that I, I did not know then I didn't know a red flag from a white surrender flag. I just right. knew that. Um, and I grew up in a family. Um, my mom and dad argued, but like I said, I was the youngest of five. So I didn't really see that. I, I heard stuff about it. And sure. so now that I look back, had I paid attention or known the warning signs, I would have got out before I ever had a child with him. 
okay. I would I would have left. So like I said, the physical had the physical come early, I'd have been gone. Cause I'm this type of person. You could say what you want to me about me. You don't live with me. You don't pay my bills. It doesn't matter. But the minute you put your hands on me, I'm out. Well, okay. that out looks different when you have a child by somebody. Sure. Like, like I said, he was in the military, so he would always use, I don't care. Um, um, I'm in the army and um, IMPD can't keep me or from doing what I want to do at the time. It was IPD. If I want my want to take my daughter to Washington, D.C. and keep her, I can because my family has money, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So anyway, I'm getting so getting dressed to go out, curling my hair. Bam, he hits me. What? It was literally with a, a with shot. A fist? Huh? With a fist? With his fist. Okay. Wow. And so I'm literally like steaming then, like want to kill him right there. Nobody sure. has ever put their hands on me like that. And I'm thinking, what the hell just happened? I mean, it was really like a shock. But he immediately, immediately starts apologizing. This is what they do. Pay attention, abusers. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you know, you pushed me to this. I'm not this type of person. You know, I had a rough day. And I'm thinking, damn, I'm the one hurting. It's all about him. Absolutely not. So then I literally called one of my sisters, you know, and plus, you know, you don't want to tell your family everything. But in my mind, I knew that day, there's no way I'm staying with this man, child or not. Keep in mind, like I said, my daughter's three months old then. My daughter was born in 19, December 86. This is December, January. This is March. So I think he had started being jealous because February is my birth month and I'm a big birthday celebrator. So I did a lot of things. I mean, I did things. We, we did a lot of things. With, I did a lot of things with him, too. But my friends celebrate me. We go out. Da, 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 and that's what his thing. You've been going out for a whole month. Are you seeing somebody else? No. Okay. So anyway, push forward. I'm planning my exit. And I how do, far are we pushed forward? Are we in the a, next month? Or? A few months. And okay. I'm I'm a few months and I I'm out. I'm gone. Apartment empty, move everything moved out while he's at, at work. I'm not staying where you where you're putting your hands on me. Right. So then he calls the this is kind of funny now that I think about it. He calls the police on me and said I I, I stole everything. I was like, I didn't steal everything. His shit's still in the house. All his clothes. I didn't take anything of his. I want nothing of his. But, you know, I told him, I said, you know, we had some domestic problems and I can't stay like that. Then, okay, he finds me and I'm like, damn it. With the help of my sister, you know. You know, little little booze and marijuana make people do things that they wouldn't normally do, even your family members. And, right. you know, and so I'm thinking, so, you know, I believe this. Do you think people can change? Yes. So I'm thinking, OK, we'll go to counseling. We went to church together. We always went to church. 
which, you know, that's another misnomer because pastors, if you're not trained in how to uh, help your congregation, you're doing them a disservice. And I've done, I've worked with a lot of pastors and churches, you know, talking about uh, not putting your congregation in harm's way. So um, what do I do? Decide we can get back together. Whew, biggest mistake, biggest mistake of my life. Typical. Now, this is time number one for me, but statistics say that it takes a woman leaving seven times before she's decided I'm gone for good. So we get that most dangerous time. And it's the most dangerous time when you're leaving, because when you're leaving, they realize, shit, I'm losing what I'm I'm the power and control that I have over this woman. I don't want this relationship to end. And that was his whole thing. I don't want this relationship to end. I'll go to counseling. We talked to his military people and we went through all that church counseling, military counseling. So I was like, okay, you know, it was a slow process of getting back together. Six months later, we got back together. So, um, I work. I was working a lot of part time and he always complained that I loved the police department more than I loved him. Mm. I'm like, what? That's crazy. One, I can't love nothing that can't love me back. The police department can't love me back anyway. So I have to work a part time. I'm sleep and my got a babysitter. I always made sure that my daughter was taken care of my Next to oldest sister, it took my daughter. And I wake up and, you know, I've laid my uniform out on the bed because I'm the type of person when I got to work part time, I'm going to sleep right up into the last minute. <laughs> I, have to get, I have to get dressed and go work part time. And so I'm thinking, OK, let me go to bed. I'm asleep. And it's it's a. Uh, I was actually working part-time of Vice on a detail with uh, Bob Hoke, and they wanted some uniform officers. And so I agreed, hey, the part-time was good. And if anybody knew Bob Hoke, he was the craziest. So you knew you were going to go to have a good time and everything. And they, I've even worked part-time, and they've, he's watched my daughter up in the, up in the uh, Vice unit. So I'm like, oh, I got a babysitter now, so okay. Late uniform laid out, gun on my nightstand. I'm asleep. I wake up and I'm like, what the hell? I hear him come in, but I don't pay any attention. I'm thinking he's about to get in the bed and he's standing over me with my service revolver. Mm-mm. What? Mm, your duty uh, gun. My my duty oh service my revolver. And at that time, we carried 357 Magnums. Ooh. So I'm like, wake up startled. Whoa. And he's like, Marta, was he on drugs or drunk or was this just him? Um, later on, rage? I did find out. Uh, uh, well, I have a, a a ministry partner that I grew up with who was also a police officer, but this is my story to tell, not hers, who we later on realized her husband and my uh, 
daughter's father were doing cocaine together. Wow. And he had got put out of the military right after our counseling. And I did not know this because he was getting up every day going like he was still in the military. Uh, so anyway, I kind of, you know how you shake it off and you think you're in a dream and I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? And he's like, don't move. I'm like, what, what's the matter? Are you okay? He's like, where's my daughter? I'm like, she's with my sisters. I have to work. And I didn't know where you were at and what time you would be home. And he was like, no, this is your way of getting rid of us. So now wow. I'm going to get rid of you. Mm. So that clicked on me like shit. He could kill me. So, you yeah. know, I start saying, you know, call me, babe, baby, why are you doing this? You know, I love you. Da, da, da. And something caught my corner of my eye and I see my uniforms on the bed cut up. Oh, Just my God. Cut in the pieces. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's like, like a horror movie. That is I was so like, this is, this is this is real bad. And so... Um, I finally convinced him. I was like, well, can I, can, can I just sit up so we could talk? He's like, no, I don't trust you. You're slick. The police are taught to be slick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> That's what I'm trying you to do. You are. So in my are mind, right. So in my mind, I'm praying, God, this is not how I want to leave here, Lord. I'm just in my mind praying, but still watching him. And then... So he finally lets me sit up on the pillow and and I even asked him, well, can I have a hug? And he's like, nobody wants to hug you. OK, I'm, so I'm literally like thinking of everything and I'm like, what what happened? How did we get here? When? I mean, seriously, like and so he's like. I'm tired of you saying you love me, but showing other people more love than me. And you done got rid of my child. And I never get to spend time with you all anymore. And I thought when we got back together, you leave all this foolishness. And I said, what foolishness are you talking about? And he picks up some of my shredded uniform. He goes, this, you don't need to plead the police. I could take care of you and my daughter. Oh, wow. And I was like, uh, well, we can. I, so I start saying, well, OK, we can talk about that. He's like, no, it's too late to talk. So everything he's saying, my mind is saying he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. So I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, only you could fix this situation. So I'm watching his hand the whole time. But his eyes are crazy. He's he's deranged in his in his eyes. So I'm like, he has to be on something. And so. I said, he's already allowed me to sit up a little bit. And then, so we're talking and he's like, I'm tired of talking. And I see his hand move toward the trigger. So I push when the gun goes off. I have a scar to this day of my right hand to prove it. And he thinks he shot me in the face. So he drops the gun and runs out. Well, this is what I tell people. When you know there's violence in your home, your neighbors should know about it. I don't care. And so the neighbors heard the gunshot and had already called the police. I was looking for my police radio. I thought he had took it, but he literally had just picked it up and threw it on the floor. So I get on my police radio and let them know, hey, I've been shot. Da, 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 da. Give them my radio number. And I kid you not, when there's probably 
30 police cars at my house in no time. And uh, so I go to the hospital. The blessing was is that the way it pushed and it went up, it just went through the skin and grazed me. I didn't lose nerve damage or anything, but this was my shooting hand, which that shooting experience allowed me to have carpal tunnel twice. So I had to have two carpal tunnel surgeries behind that. And I had to keep going through the range and qualify. So um, after I left the police, so anyway, of course, you know, that was the end of that. And they had warrants out for him. And he went in the Wishard Hospital trying to say he had mental ill problems. And I get tired of people who really don't have mental ill problems. They want to plead the mental ill card so that, you know, so uh, I pressed charges. Uh, he was not allowed to be around me or our daughter, in which he he took that as a great opportunity because this shows how much he really loved us. He was happy about that. And I never, you know, pursued child support. I didn't care. I've been blessed. I've always had a great job, made good money, um, resourceful. And so after I left the police department, like I said, I went in the domestic violence unit from 2000 to 2012. And this domestic violence was back in the 80s. And back then, domestic violence wasn't even really a crime then back in the 80s. So uh, when I left the police department, I've always been on a, a true ministry and mission. And it's my passion to really uh, help women uh, know the warning signs, not just know them. If you, you can know anything, but if you don't heed them and participate in them, it does you no good. Know the warning signs, the red flags, the jealousy, the uh, uneven emotion, drugs, alcohol. Now, drugs and alcohol make this very clear. Do not cause domestic abuse. If you're an abuser, you're an abuser and it's going to eventually come out because like I said, abuse is a learned behavior. And I always say hurt people, hurt people and heal people, sure. help people. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm happy. Um, like I said, for 10 years, when I talked about uh, did domestic violence talks for the police department, I talked about it from the police perspective and not the personal perspective. But then when I started talking about it from the personal perspective and as a Christian woman from the godly perspective, it really not only helped me heal, but helped me be transparent and help a lot of other women. So I want to read it. My book is called One Voice, Many Faces. And I want to read just a little bit from my book. Absolutely. It says, victims will always feel self-conscious and the enemy will have you focusing on destruction instead of direction. Most people who carry weapons or guns carry them for the safety of themselves. But that was not the case for me. I never liked guns when I was younger. I thought they were scary and unnecessary. But in college, I signed up for a rifle class and loved it and have been intrigued by guns ever since. And when going through training to be an officer, when I was at the shooting range, every time I looked at the target and fired the weapon and knew that how I performed would either pass or fail, make or break me, I was determined to shoot my best shot and give it all I had. However, no amount of training can prepare you for the attack of the enemy when your eye is out of sight alignment, thus not seeing straight or thinking straight. 
Little did I know that during my college years, God was preparing me for something down the road that I was not yet ready for. This is the same attitude of the enemy. He or she doesn't just haphazardly decide to attack and make you a target of their aim. They study you, side you up, and position themselves in a stance of attack and wait until you show a sign of weakness, vulnerability, and inaccuracy and pray, P-R-E-Y, on that. Abuse is never the abuse person's fault. So that's one amen. of the excerpts from my book. That's yes, Amen. Powerful, so, Marta. Like I, like I said, I, I'm so grateful. I, I will. This is my passion, my purpose, my ministry, my reason that I put so much into the community because I never want, and we're losing too many lives to domestic violence. And I could have been a statistic. And because oh, because I'm not a statistic, I knew then that this was my purpose. And a lot of people don't learn their purpose. I was grateful to learn my purpose and not only have a career in it for 12 years, but to also have a, a ministry opportunity, an opportunity to uh, impart knowledge to others throughout the world, you know, I, I, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I like touching the different lives through my personal testimony and helping others heal and, and, you know, forgive. Cause people used to say, well, have you forgiven him? Absolutely. So because forgiveness, forgiveness ain't for him. It's for me. I'm good. Absolutely. I'm good. I'm happy. Absolutely. My daughter is now 30. My daughter will be 36 next month in December. I'm just grateful. Yeah. Let me just ask you a couple questions. Sure. Before the shooting, before the shooting, Marta, had there been an argument? I know you were in bed because you're getting ready to go to part-time and the officers work part-time all the time. It's it's where we make a lot. We can make money um, because usually the police department doesn't pay great um, and we earn a lot of money. So that is not uncommon for um, officers to work part-time. I did it a lot. Right. Uh, but my question is before that, like before you went to bed to go to part-time, had you guys been in an argument? Chris, absolutely not. It was like, Hey, I'm going and hang with one of his buddies who I will not mention. I'm going to hang with so-and-so I'll be gone a couple hours. I'll, okay. No problem. Hug, kiss. Bye. See you later. And, and and he, I said, okay. you know, I got to work part time tonight. He's like, I know I'll be home by such and such a time. Well, when he wasn't home at that such and such a time and my daughter was there, I called my sister. I was like, hey, can you come and get uh get my daughter? Because I have to work part time and I don't know if he's going to even yeah. be at home. And I don't want, you know, our part time money was good money. You, I said, you know, I want to miss this money. So my sister came and got my daughter and he says that's what triggered him that I, right. Whatever you choose your own triggers. Right. How's that a trigger when somebody's sister is babysitting their niece? Sure. Sure. And uh, my second question is, did, did he do jail time? What, what happened with him? Well, of course he's never been in any kind of uh, criminal justice trouble. So uh, he hired hmm, an attorney who I could care not to mention. And I do not like, 
a big wig in Indianapolis and he did not get any jail time. He, he got, um, he got probation and he had to do some, pay some fines, do some community service, get some mental health assessments. And, um, I did keep the protective orders active forever. Like they they sure. say protective orders are good for two years. Well, at the end, when it gets toward the two year, all you got to do is call the courts. And, you know, we know the right things to say. Hey, I'm still afraid for my life. He tried to kill me once. He might try to kill me again. He threatened to take my daughter. I have documentation of this all. They was like, you don't even have to prove all that. Your protective order is good for a couple more years. After that, he moved back to his uh, home state of Washington, D.C., which is and got uh, remarried. And I prayed for her because I'm like, girl, you don't know the nut you're getting. Yeah. And have you seen or talked to him? He's deceased. He died from cancer. And people ask me how I felt. I don't feel nothing. That's God's choice. Yeah. Not my choice. Yeah. Yeah. And your daughter. What did she say about this? When did she well, learn about she this? Was, she was so she young. Was infant, and here's the thing. I used to take her to all my speaking engagements. And when she was younger and, and, and then I had another daughter and then I finally told her the truth. And she was, she was mad at me for a couple of years. She was like, why are you telling our business? I said, it's not our business. It's my business. It's my story to tell. And that's what I always tell people. You know what? Tell your story because your story can help someone else. And two, your story is your story. I don't want other people telling my story their way. This is my story to tell. I'm the one that went through this. And, you know, I told her, I said, you're young right now. One day you'll understand it. And as she got older, she did. And she apologized, you know, like, mom, I'm so sorry you went through that. And I'm more sorry that. I kind of blamed you. Like, why would you be in the public telling our story? Because no, that's nobody's business. Right. So she never had a relationship with her dad because of the domestic violence. Cause I mean, like I said, he lived, he was, he lived here cause he was in the military, but he was from out of state. And, you know, I didn't trust him to, uh, or his family, but, um, she has an older sister that's uh, in D.C. That's um, that she actually contacted. Her sister knew about her because her sister's like ten years old. My daughter will be thirty six next year, next month, and her sister's like ten years older than her. So she knew about her. She had I had sent her pictures of her and stuff, and they've kind of had some conversations and stuff like that. So I mean, she's grown. And whatever she does with his family, that's on her. But she chooses not to do really anything with them. Okay. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that story, my dear friend. Uh, You're definitely an inspiration. And it's, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's like cops are no different. (laughs) We are no different. We, you know, but I do think, and I'm I'm glad that the, the training that you got up to that point that night, um, I know played a role because you knew what was happening and, um, you know, you played that about as well as you could. And I'm just so happy it turned out the way it did. And that I got an opportunity to meet you, work with you. And uh, now we're just hanging out every single day together yes. dealing <laughs> with what we're dealing with at school. And you're a blessing, Marta. And I appreciate you being on this uh, show with us. Marta, make, 
make sure to tell us where we can get your book and repeat the title again, please. And your last name and your full name. Okay, Colleen, right now you can only get my book off of where my website is not doing up. You can get it uh, through uh, bell underscore Marta at yahoo.com. Um, it's no longer on Amazon because of a printing issue problem. Uh, but I also do have another book coming out in the next couple of months and you'll be able to get them together. But this book is One Voice, Many Faces and it's bell underscore Marta. M-A-R-T-A at yahoo.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marta. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate you all having me. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please rate and review us. Pass it along to your friends. We appreciate uh, the support that we get. We appreciate you listening. We hope um, at the end of the day with this podcast that you learn some things and, and realize that we are all, you know, just trying to get through. Uh, be able to keep red flags in perspective, keep your head on a swivel, stay safe, enjoy the holidays, and we will see you next time on Murder with Manina. If you have a cold case you'd like Chris to review, submit it through our website at murderwithmanina.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Murder with Menina and Twitter at Murder W. Menina. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Murder with Menina.